for our second message today. We have a full sermon from Mr. Barnabas Grayson entitled Humility. Mr. Grayson. Good afternoon, everyone. Humility. It's a humble view of one's own importance. Without humility, there can be serious consequences. There can be pitfalls. There can be downfalls. I have a lot of scriptural references this afternoon. My uh, scriptural uh, cup just runneth over today, but uh, I'll try to keep us as long as I can, so get them all through. But I'd like to start over here in Proverbs 8, chapter 8, verse 13. We see this. It says that the fear of the Lord, of the eternal, is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. So these are detestable things in the sight of the eternal our God. Hate is a strong word, but these things are odious to him, and they are extremely repulsive to him, and he detests these things that we see here in this scripture. So he makes it known to us how he feels, how he looks at these words that we see here. And so we should also detest them, and there's a reason. So let's look at this thing that is called evil. As a, as a downfall. We know that there are evil people in the world and that evil comes in every shape, it comes in every form, and there are evil things that people do in this society of, of ours that is not usually seen on television or heard on the radio because some of it is so shocking and horrible that people just won't, you know, listen to it, of course, and not stand to listen, uh, watch it. Things that go on in our society, and if you pick up a newspaper or a magazine, you can read about those horrendous things that happen. I won't mention them, but these things have all their gory details. And you can look in the headlines and you kind of get an idea of what's going on in our society. If you want to you know, take a look at all the details, it's there. But there are all sorts of things. This is a kind of evil that is taking place on the face of the earth. From the time that man began to multiply upon the face of the earth, so did evil. All of these things that we see happening today has been going on for as long as, you know, as, long as we can remember, as long as we can uh, read to see what happened in the past in the Bible. We know that it was not meant to be that way. But man was given freedom of choice. He was given uh, freedom of morality. He could do as he pleased. But then there are consequences that he must pay for those things, those wrong, wrong choices. So we see that man chose to do evil. It came easy for him. In the book of Genesis chapter 6, God saw the wickedness of man was great, was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil, continually, continually going on all the time. And it repented the eternal that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him 
at his heart. Can you imagine the Lord, the Eternal, our God, being grieved for all of this? The Hebrew there means he was pained and he was angered. And it repented him that, and that is according to the Hebrew, it made him sigh and be sorry that he ever made man on the earth. So evil is anything that causes suffering and pain and it amounts to, and it amounts to unhappiness. It's an adversity that is not only physical, it's also spiritual and moral. So as we look at evil, it could also include punishment or discipline that even God used that he sometimes sends and sometimes he allows on mankind. You know, we saw the video on the drought that is in California. You know, right now they're having storms that is causing a lot of uh, loss of property. You know, homes that, you know, uh, are going over the edge. And uh, I think uh, there was one section there, real estate, called Washaway Beach. That should have been kind of a, a forewarning. There's also drought. And we know that California produces a lot of our vegetables, a lot of our uh, things that we eat. And without the rain, without the uh, water, uh, you know, our food supply can be threatened. So we see those things. We see the floods in the Philippines, the typhoons that are going on, and all of these things that bring what we might look at as evil upon us, things that are harmful to us. We, we look upon these things as adversities in our life. So it depends on how man, uh, depends on how man, how he takes uh, them as either correction or just maybe an act of nature, an evil that just comes along and you just deal with it. So does God create the evil? In the book of Isaiah, chapter 45, verse 7, let me just interject here. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. You know, when evil comes to us, when there's things that are uh, ad adverse to us, you know, we, uh, it's not peaceful. It's not happy. It's harmful to us in many ways. So God can send evil. He can allow it to happen. He can cause adversity to fall upon man. But, you know, it's not in a moral sense, but in a physical sense as a form of punishment that he creates or he allows it to happen. He doesn't tempt you to sin. He doesn't tempt you to do bad things, to go against the moral things that he has established. He doesn't tempt you to do that. He doesn't uh, tempt you to uh, sin wickedly or do those wicked things. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So we see that with these trials, with these temptations, with these evil things that can come our way, maybe due to no fault of our own, that we have to endure those things. In this life, you know, we're going to have trials. They come and go. To us, they are an evil. But anything which is harmful is how, it's how we tend to view them. Verse 13, but let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. So it doesn't enter his mind to have some bad thing that he just wants to pass on to us. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. 
So many things out there that entice us to go the wrong direction, to do the wrong thing. And it can be subtle. It all looks good at the beginning, but then in the end, it is very bitter. So, as the scripture says, as you sow, so shall you reap. You tend to those things, it's going to bring uh, an evil in our life. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. So sin is evil, and it causes ruin, and it causes death. Verse 16, do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. But the way man takes it, it can be seen as an evil from the Lord's. But every good and perfect gift comes from him. And you just have to notice, you just have to see uh, what those gifts that he gives, bestows upon us, that, uh, you know, in our daily life. You know, a rain. Is, is good for us. It's a gift. It's a good thing. And sometimes, though, you know, you get too much rain and it's not so good. So we see that there was this evil that came upon man in a worldwide flood a few thousand years ago. We see that God looked down and he saw man continually doing wrong and there was no change in his heart. So he sent destruction and death, this evil upon man. Genesis, uh, again, chapter 6, verse 7. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repents me, he said, that I have made them. Imagine the eternal feeling this way, all due to man's violence and his evil that was going on at the time. And then we see uh, where in verse 8 that Noah found grace in the Lord. Found grace. He found uh, uh, salvation in God. These, verse 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. And the, but the earth was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. In our society today, you know, this violence happens in certain sections of, uh, of the nation, in certain sections of the city, in certain neighborhoods. There's a tendency to have more violence in those places. But here, this violence was, was widespread. It was filled with violence. Everywhere you looked, everywhere you turned. So, it was uh, 11. The earth was corrupt before God filled with violence. Their lives were on the wrong path. They were going down the wrong way. Filled with every imaginable evil, injustice, cruelty, wrongdoing. Human life was decaying with no apparent turning back. So God, in verse 12, he looked down upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So we don't know how long uh, God must have thought about this, how much patience he must have had, but he could see the end result of where it was going. And the evil of that age was so detestable to God that he was going to destroy his entire creation. 
But was this a case of God giving up? Verse 3 of Genesis 6, it says that my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. So the, ho uh, the holy and righteous spirit of God cannot put up with the unrepentant evil in nature that is in man. So he had to put a stop to it. He had to put an end to it. He had to put an end to all this evil imagination that was going on and the violence resulting from all of it, including all flesh, all wildlife, all birds and seed. All of that would be wiped out. After all, what need uh, would there be for them if man was not around? So there had to be an end to his patience, but he gave them, and so he gave them a lifespan of 120 years, which, you know, would be enough time for man to change if he was going to change. And when you look at our, us today, when, you know, we're appointed 70 years and maybe even more, but yet with our technology, with our brain power that is going on, you know, we could uh, leap into destruction before you know it. So there's, a, there's an allowance of time. We know at that time there were perhaps millions, maybe billions of people on the earth. Who knows? But God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of man was just continually evil. So we can look at that today. We can see in a way that this, you know, this, this evil is growing in our society. And so even as Noah was building the ark, he warned of what was to come, for he was a preacher of righteousness. In our world today, we can see evil at work. We can see how our, how our society has become verse, perverse in its ways. In the days of Noah, violence and evil uh, was so prevalent that it was the norm. And it just snowballed, growing larger and larger. Perhaps you've seen the, uh, the statue that they want to put at the, uh, at the state capitol. This horrendous statue of, of Satan, uh, Baphomet, that they want to put there along with the Ten Commandments. And maybe they will allow it. I don't know. But this is what's going on. This evil is so, so much the norm. Satan's ways is so much the norm that society is beginning to let it uh, uh, filter in. So like the sermon that Steve gave last week, he said that uh, in quoting the scripture, to not allow a place for evil, to not give way uh, to the devil, to let him have an inroad into your life or into your thinking. First Peter chapter 3. It says that we should be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing. And that's what you see happening in our society today because everybody's defensive of their position. They want to argue. They want to uh, claim their own position. In, in this life and they're railing for railing but we as people of God to be contrary wise blessing one another knowing that you are there and to call that you should inherit a blessing for he that will love life and see good days let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile let him eschew evil 
and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So we know that is in the days of Noah, so shall it be in these last days. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, dangerous times shall come. Men shall be lovers, and you know this is the first thing you see listed. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, you know, you know inordinate desires for uh, more than what they have. They're boasters. They're proud. They're blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. And so we see not only is evil a downfall, that it can ruin a life, that it can ru ruin uh, uh, things around uh, you, but pride is also a downfall. Because man can get so wrapped up in himself, his accomplishments, his wealth, his power, they feel above everyone else and unthankful, being disobedient to what, what's right and, and speaking vain things, just lacking humility, being disrespectful and greedy. So all of this, me first pride, uh, pride that people have, leads to forgetting God and, and becoming corrupted. And so we see conceit, we see inordinate uh, self-esteem, and, and it is disdainful. It blinds you to humility, and it produces a negative outcome with results. Obadiah, verse 1 there, the vision of uh, Obadiah, thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom, we have heard a rumor from the Lord, and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise you and let us rise up against her in battle. Behold, I have made you small among the heathen. You are greatly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You that dwell in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that says in his heart, who shall bring me down to the ground? So the vain man looks at his surroundings, at the things that he has, and he realizes, you know, I can defend my own self. And says in his heart, who shall bring me down to the ground? And verse 4, though you exalt yourself as the eagle, and though you set your nest among the stars, thence will I bring you down, says the Lord. You can go as high as you want, but there's a, going to come a time when it's all going to come crumbling down around you. And that's true because the scripture says pride goes before destruction. It's the root and it's the essence of sin. So Adam and Eve, he made the mistake, they both made the mistake of, for themselves by seeking the glory and honor that you know, belonged to God by partaking of the fruit of the forbidden tree. And they knew better, but Saint, Satan tempted them. Genesis chapter 3, The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yeah, has God said, You shall not of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden... God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So you see that this, you know, uh, Eve wasn't really frightened of this creature that was there. It was like he was there all the time, there to tempt, but very subtle. 
And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat thereof, and then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and did eat. And the eyes of both of them, they were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they were and they sewed fig leaves together and made aprons. They became ashamed of themselves. Verse uh, 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us, to know good and to know evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and flaming swords, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So this pride can be deceiving. You see things that can give you this pride, this power, this influence that is really... Uh, something that will lead into, the down, uh, into a downfall. We also see an example of religious pride, conceit in the Pharisees. They were ostentatious, and they were a showy religion, and they meant, uh, it was meant to impress upon uh, the others their religiosity because of all the duties and other things they performed. Luke 14 it came to pass, as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day, that they watched him. And behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. And Jesus answering spoke unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace. And he took them, and, and he took him and healed him and let him go. And answered them, saying, Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit, and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they couldn't answer him again to these things. So he put forth a parable to those which were bidden, when he marked how they chose out the chief room, saying unto them, When you are bidden of any man to a wedding, don't sit down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than you be bidden of him. And he that bade you and him come, say to you, give this man your place, and, and you uh, begin with shame to take the lowest room. So those things can happen. You, you know, your pride can be uh, uh, stilled by something else that uh, makes you stand out as well. You thought you were pride, but here you are. You're going, uh, you're, you're losing your highest, uh, your, the chair that you want to sit in. So when you're bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade you come, he may sit unto you. Friend, go up higher. Then shall you have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with you. For whosoever exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. So pride can be self-deceiving. Luke 16, he said unto them, You are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed 
among men is an abomination, a hated thing in the sight of God. Psalm 94.11 says that the Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. Mark chapter 9, verse 33, And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked him, What was it that you disputed among yourselves? But they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves, we should be the greatest. So Christ knew their hearts. He asked them first, but he knew their hearts. He knew their thinking. Verse 35, And he sat down and called the twelve, and said unto him, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all, and servant of all. And this is how, you know, we've read this before lots of times, and here's how he illustrated that uh, humility. He took a child, verse 36, set him in the midst of them, and when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receives me, and whosoever shall receive me receives not me, but him that sent me. Carry this uh, illustration on in Matthew chapter 18. At the same time, the disciples uh, came unto Jesus saying, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. And he said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So, like little children is what Christ is telling us to be. When Christ was teaching and doing miracles before the people, before the adults that followed him around, that saw him do these things and hear these wondrous things, you know, they had the choice of either rejecting him or, or sometimes they held back because they were uncertain. But when he called this little one, we know that the child responded. The child uh, humbled himself, being obedient to Christ's voice, his calling. There was no hesitation, no holding back, like, you know, some of these adults uh, had been. The child didn't say, and you know, sometimes you might hear this, the child didn't say, you know, whatever. He didn't say that, or, or to be told twice. He wasn't, you know, bratty, as some, as some are today. So this is how the adult should be toward Christ, having this uh, humility, this humbleness. Isaiah 57, with whom will the Lord dwell? For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity. He's the high and the lofty one. He ha inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. So this, the high and the lofty one, who is our God, whose name is holy, he will dwell in the holy place with him that is of a contrite and humble spirit to receive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite ones. Elsewhere, we see scripture tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and God's spirit dwells surely in those with, you know, the humble spirit, the humble attitude with, you know, with that spiritual humility. It, you know, it's easier to get along with someone who's not full of himself. Found this little illustration. Two cows were grazing alongside a highway when 
there was a shiny uh, tank truck uh, of milk on its way to the distributors and uh, it happened to pass by. And on the side of the truck, there in these big letters where it was, a, was the, the sign which said pasteurize, homogenize, standardize, with vitamin A added. So one, one cow turned to the other and he said, makes you feel sort of inadequate, doesn't it? And, you know, don't people who boast show their pride, kind of make you feel that way sometime? But it's easier to get along with someone who is not, you know, full of themselves. Same with the father, with the children. Verse 16, I will not contend forever, neither will I be always wroth, for the spirit should fail before me and the soul which I have made. For the iniquity of his covetousness was I wroth and smote him. I hid me and was wroth, and he went on forwardly in the way of his heart. I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will lead him also and restore comforts unto him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off and, and to him that is near, uh, saith the Lord. In the NIV, uh, those same scriptures, God is saying, I will not accuse forever, nor will I always be angry, for then the spirit of man would uh, grow faint before me, the breath of man that I have created. I was enraged by his or man's sinful greed. I punished him and hid uh, my face in anger, and yet he kept on in his willful ways. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will guide him and restore comfort to him, creating praise on the lips of the mourners in, in Israel. Peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord. I will heal them. But the wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. When I was younger, my, uh, I used to, my mother used to sing hymns and things while she was doing the kitchen work, stuff like that. And uh, uh, she would be uh, washing the dishes and, or sweeping the floor or something, and I'd hear her say, there's no rest for the wicked. <laughs> That's the first time I ever heard that. I was just a uh, young kid, and, and uh, when I saw the scripture, that reminded me of her. Not, uh, you know, not that she is wicked, but she was like, you know, the rest of us. We all have our faults. We all have our sins. And they're sometimes ever before us. And sometimes we look, well, you know, this is, uh, this is the punishment I get. There's no rest. But peace is going to come in a government that is going to establish peace for all of us. Isaiah 66, we ask this question, well, to whom will God look? Verse 1, thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne. And the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things has my hand made. And all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembles at my, wor at my word. So the word of God has seriousness attached to it. We know that God is kind-hearted. We know that he is merciful, that he is loving, that he is forgiving, that he is entreatable. 
But we must not think that his patience and grace will always be on our side. We can't let pride, we can't let evil take root, deceiving us into doing our own thing, going our own way apart from God. Romans 11, chapter, 11th chapter, verse 22. Behold, therefore, it says, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. On them which fell, severity but toward you goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, ye shall be cut off. So the Bible is filled with all sorts of evils that have happened to people who continue in evil. And God comes along and tries to wake them up, showing them things, allowing things that might change their mind. Second Timothy, pick up there again, uh, verse 3. We know that these things characterize the last days that are bringing about evil upon us. And there are many uh, who are without natural affection. Without natural affection. There are truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent and fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof and such you know, we're, we're to turn away from, to get them out of our thinking. And, you know, with these scriptures, uh, we realize, those of you who come up here and, and read the word of God, you know, a lot of times we're just preaching to the choir because you know a lot of these things. And, but yet, if someone should ask you, you know, uh, it's good to keep these things that we read in remembrance. To, uh, you know, like in the, in the first message, to be able to uh, let others know about God, about Jesus Christ, and about the way things are and how they should be. But, James chapter 4, we realize that lust is a battle within us, and it creates evil. It creates pride. Verse 1, from where do... From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? You lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, for yet you have not because you ask not. And, you know, this is what causes nations to fall into trouble. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss. You ask, you know, due to, due to wrong motives. And, you know, you can bring that down from it being something that the nation does to, you know, what people do among themselves, in their neighborhoods, in their churches, in their households, and so on. Verse 4, you adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So, those things that the Lord detests. We're not to, not to be, uh, befriend that thinking or to accept it because doing so would make us an enemy of God. So these are words that are not just spoken to the world. It's also spoken to God's people. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwells in, in us lusts to envy? No, you know, that's, that's not the spirit that God gave us. That's, you know, part of the works of the flesh. But he gives more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists 
the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So as we resist the devil, we, are, uh, dis, uh, we dislike the things that make for pride, that make for evil, that make for arrogancy, and all of those things that lead to a downfall. But you can only do this, verse 8, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So, you know, if these things are a part of our life, you know, cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. Don't be double-minded about it. 1 Peter 5. We are to be subject one to another, seeing each other, esteeming each other better than ourselves because God, you know, God loves that person as much or as more than you, as you. Verse 1, uh, the elders, the elders are, uh, which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but, by, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready, ready mind. Uh, <clears throat> Last week, we, you know, we saw the various gifts that Sean brought out in his, his message about the, about the perfecting of the saints, that there were, you know, they were given some with various gifts, prophecy, healings, uh, diverse things, uh, uh, like a gift of tongues, to understand different languages, and helps, all of those things, those, these gifts. And you know, they're spread out, not necessarily just in one, one place, but... You know, there are other bodies, there are other organizations where some may be stronger in, in these various uh, offices, these various things, these various helps. And as long as they are grounded in faith and, and in the love of Christ, we can share with each other's gifts. But, you know, if they bring not the doctrine of Christ, we know that we're not to bid them even God speed. So, knowing that we are to follow God and, and not man. Uh, neither, uh, verse 3, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. You know, be, you know this example, not only uh, from among those uh, as, you know, have uh, a position in God's, uh, over God's heritage, but to be also examples to each other. So it's, you know, it's a two-way street there. But we're not always good examples. We're not always uh, perfect examples because sometimes, you know, we uh, we'll let things slack up and that happens. It's, it's, it's being human. But, verse 4, but when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown, a crown of glory that doesn't fade away. So likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject. All of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, God said he would build his church, and that, you know, of course, you know, it's the people that make up the church, the ecclesia. It's the spiritual body of Christ, who is the head of the church, so... 
uh, we see that there are physical aspects and order that is set into place for the people of God, uh, you know, when they come to congregate. Uh, Isaiah 10. Uh, Isaiah 2, I'm sorry, verse 10. Enter into the rock and hide you in the dust of the earth for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall exalted, be exalted in that day. No one's going to be able to stand up because of their wealth, because of who they are, and talk back or be sarcastic or anything of that sort, boasting, bragging, whatever. The Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon every one that is proud and lofty, and upon every one that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. And upon this, all the cedars of Lebanon that are high and lifted up, and upon all the oaks of Bashan, upon all the high mountains, the hills that are lifted up, every high tower upon every fenced wall, uh, upon all the ships of Tarshish, upon all pleasant pictures. And the loftiness of man shall be bowed down, and the haughtiness of men shall be made low, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. <clears throat> so we know that, you know, there was a flood at the beginning, and we know that the earth is going to be burned up with uh, devastating fire, purifying fire. So all those riches, all the land, all the possessions, all the silver, the gold, the horses, the chariots that men take pride in and do wickedly will be brought to nothing, and, and then he will see the vanity, the meaningless of it all. Matthew chapter 5, and I have just uh, three more scriptural references to make. Verse 5, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So we ask ourselves, am I meek? And sometimes we uh, think, well, uh, maybe I didn't, uh, didn't appear as meek as I should have. But blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And that's when the government of God will be established. And, you know, he that overcomes, to him will I give to eat of the tree of life that is in the, is in the middle of the garden. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other, each other better than themselves. Let nothing be done like that. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which also uh, is in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even unto death. Even the death of the cross. So in giving up those things that we know will please God, to get rid of vanity and pride and evil, it does take sacrifice. And it does take a long time. But there is uh, glory and honor to, uh, at the end of it all. 
Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, an honor that is above every honor, a reputation that is above every honor, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in, as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So we should be careful in what we say, be careful in what we do, uh, to not give place to the devil, because there are so many devices out there that can lead you into uh, uh, evil, to uh, take away your humility. Uh, so we uh, should not let you know, this evil come into our life and let pride be our downfall. And don't give in to perverse speaking, you know, things that are contrary to that which is acceptable. So again, in conclusion, uh, Proverbs 8.13, 8, uh, remember this. The fear of the eternal is to hate evil and arrogancy. And the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. <laughs>